This podcast is brought to you by The Empowerment Project. Research proves that empowerment self-defense training makes you safer, period. I want you to have a great self-defense toolkit so you can create strong boundaries, speak with confidence, and take up all the space that you deserve in the world. We'll hear stories from survivors and find out what worked for them and why. We'll interview leaders in the field and talk about tips, concepts, and really easy things that you could do to make yourself safer and interrupt the cycle of violence. I've taught self-defense classes for over 30 years, and I promise to teach you everything I know. Ultimately, I'm going to want you to get some in-person training, but a great empowerment self-defense class is more than just the physical skills. The list of things I want to teach you is endless, so let's get to it. My name is Sylvia Smart, and welcome to The Empowerment Project. Hey, listeners, I'm really excited to speak with my guest today, Brandon Wolf, who is the press secretary of Equality Florida. You might have heard that several organizations, including Equality Florida, along with the NAACP and the League of United Latin American Citizens, have issued travel advisories to the state of Florida because so many things are happening there that we need to be aware of. When I first learned about this, I was really intrigued and I wanted to find out more and more. So first off, Brandon, thank you so much for spending time with me and my listeners. Hello. Hi. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. You're so welcome to be here and I'm really excited to have you. Could you tell us about Equality Florida? Like, give us a brief overview. What does it do? What type of organization is it? Kind of fill us in. Sure. So, Equality Florida is our state's LGBTQ civil rights organization. We were founded in 1997 uh, during the Jeb Bush administration and really have been at the forefront of the fight for equality and freedom. In the state of Florida, we were among the leaders in the fight for adoption rights for same-sex couples, among the leaders in the fight for marriage equality, obviously in our state, and for non-discrimination protections. And really, the organization does work on a number of fronts. Um, The one that is probably the most public is our political work. We do a lot of work in Tallahassee. uh, And until 2021, we were actually successful in stopping every piece of anti-LGBTQ legislation that was proposed, um, that changed in 2021. Obviously things have escalated since then. Um, but that's probably the most, you know, front facing of our work. We have educational programs. Uh, we do really important work around, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion training. But at the end of the day, our fight is for a Florida that's equal to and open for all people. I love that. Okay. That was a great thumbnail sketch. I would like you to give us another one, please. Um, Sure. I can see why you're the press secretary because you're a very good communicator. Could you tell us (laughs) about, yeah. Um, Could you tell us about the travel advisory in a nutshell? What, what's going on with that? Sure. You know, I got to start by saying that it breaks my heart uh, to have to have these tough conversations about the state of play in Florida right now. Um, I tell a lot of people that I am not a Floridian by birth. I'm a Floridian by choice. Uh, they, you know, you can imagine the looks I get when I say that. Sometimes <laughs> it's like blink twice if you need help. Um, <laughs> but the truth is I <laughs> I moved here because I love Florida. I think it's beautiful state. Um, I love all of the green spaces. Of course, I love the beaches and the sunshine. And I love the communities I've been able to form. But I moved to 
Barack Obama's Florida, not Ron DeSantis's Florida. Mm. And the truth is that what Ron DeSantis has done to this state has been catastrophic for marginalized communities and especially for LGBTQ people. So, you know, we had in 2021 a ban on trans kids participating in sports pass and sign into law. In 2022, the infamous Don't Say Gay law was signed. Um, we've had a year's worth of implementation of that and the governor using state agencies as weapons against the community. And then this legislative session, uh, you know, we had we had an incredible amount of anti-LGBTQ policies filed. I think there were at one time 24 or 25 bills that had been filed against the community. They were ultimately consolidated into just over half a dozen laws that uh, have been signed by the governor. And when it became clear to us what the situation was uh, in terms of you know the civil liberties for LGBTQ people, uh, and as questions escalated from the community about whether or not they were safe or whether or not there were risks associated with being in Florida, we decided it was time to answer those questions honestly, to really lay out the entire policy landscape and to say, you know, we're not in a position to make a blanket recommendation. We're not in a position to tell people what their individual situation is, but we are obligated to tell you the truth about what it's like to be LGBTQ in Florida right now, what the risks are that are associated with being in our state and they're real so that you can make the best decision about keeping you and your family safe. For some, that means now's not the right time for them to be in Florida, whether traveling or relocating. And for others, they've decided that being here is their way to fight back. But either way, we need people on the front lines. We can't give up on Florida. We just want people to be safe doing so. That's kind of amazing, everything that you just said. And what I'd like to do is drop back and punt. That's my one sports <laughs> analogy that I'll make today. Um, As a college and... football fan, I appreciate that. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, I, I want to make the connection between what you're talking about and empowerment self-defense, because this is a little bit of a different topic than what we normally talk about. My overview, my kind of underlying reason for um, having this podcast and having my voice out there with a lot of other voices of strong people in the empowerment self-defense community is because I think, and I really believe that not everybody wants to train martial arts, but everybody wants to be safe and everybody wants to feel empowered. And that is where this connection comes from. So I see two very obvious connections. One is that empowerment self-defense is all about the prevention of violence, stopping the cycle of violence, and helping keep people who are vulnerable safe. And this travel advisory and the way you just described that is that same spirit to me. I It makes total sense to me. And the second thing that I want to say, the second connection is between um, what you're doing with the travel advisory and the empowerment self-defense emphasis on telling and communication. So here's an example for my listeners. Um, Sam interacting with someone at my gym, on my gymnastics team, in school, at work, at the place where I work, worship, and my family, and my community, and I've identified this person as a problem, perhaps a perpetrator. They touch me inappropriately. They're making suggestive comments. They're, they're leering at me, sexualizing my body, making hateful comments about my hair, my skin color, my accent, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I can 
do what people have done for hundreds of years, which is to just keep quiet and take it. Or I can use my self-defense toolkit and do all the things that we talk about here on this podcast and in your empowerment self-defense classes. Really important tool that we all have is telling and communicating. Telling and communicating keep me safer. It can be healing. It can help me get the support that I need or want. And other people might also be dealing with the same sort of stuff and even the same person. So when I tell and communicate, it lets people know they're not alone. And in some cases, I can help by being the one who verbalizes the truth about what's actually happening, Mm -hmm. even when it's hard. So with telling and communicating, ultimately, maybe the HR department or the board of directors or the other players on the team or whoever, they hear me, they get their heads out of the sand, they help connect the dots and can actually make some significant systemic changes in the power dynamics to keep everyone safer, to stop the cycle of violence and perpetration. And I feel like what Equality Florida and the other organizations that I mentioned before are doing is exactly that, just on a broader scale, like state and national scale. And they're telling us things are happening in Florida. This includes violence. It includes harm. It includes people in marginalized communities who are getting hurt. And there are perpetrators here at the governmental level creating laws that are putting people at risk. And you all are Mm -hmm. speaking up to break this cycle. You're communicating. And this is exactly the same as empowerment self-defense. I hope that makes sense. Anyway, enough of that. Yeah. No, I I just, I I want to say that it, it makes a lot of sense to me. And that is ultimately the goal of putting out an advisory like this is, you know, A, to communicate to other people who may find themselves in harm's way, you there are things you should know about the state of Florida. I'll give you an example. Yeah. Um, this legislative session, uh, a bill was passed and signed into law that uh, you know prevents transgender people from using bathrooms that align with their gender identity in publicly owned or leased spaces. So that includes schools, it includes universities, it also includes things like airports and stadiums and convention centers. And so, you know, what I've shared with people who who may have concerns about, you know, the the issuing of a travel advisory and what impact that may have on on the local economy. My answer is, you know, if a trans woman in New York City is coming to Florida for a conference, she has every right to know that she may end up in handcuffs for using the same bathroom at the Miami airport that she would use back home. She needs to know that so she can make an educated decision about whether or not that risk is worth it. And maybe she decides, yes, that she's going to risk it because that conference is important and her visibility there is paramount. But she should have the right to make that decision about whether or not to be in that situation. And the only way uh, we can ensure that she has the best information is to put it all in one place. Exactly, because that is empowering, because then she can make the choice that is best for her, knowing Mm -hmm all the details, knowing what the options are, knowing what the possibilities and the consequences might be. So I totally, I back you on that. It's absolutely essential. And tell us more, you know, tell us what's happening in Florida, what other laws have been passed, what's the vibe there on the ground? You know, tell us anything that you want us to know about. Yeah. Oh my gosh. How long do we have? We could really be here until tomorrow, (laughs) but I'm going to try to, you know, I'm going to try to, to break it down in some bite-sized pieces. 
And I have to start by naming, as you said, the perpetrator. There is a key perpetrator in all of this, and that is our governor, Ron DeSantis. He really, really wants to be president of the United States. He finally launched his campaign. It was the worst kept secret, certainly down here and probably across the country. Right. Um, But he really wants to be president of the United States. And during the COVID-19 pandemic, he got a whiff of his own supply. He You know, he started uh, imagining himself behind the desk in the Oval Office, uh, and it changed the way he operated as a politician. He's not someone who's driven by conviction or values. He's driven by self, you know, uh, by ambition. And and he had his eyes set on Washington. And when he realized he might have a path to get there by outflanking Donald Trump to the right and being as extreme and cruel as possible, He started waging war on marginalized communities and, by proxy, freedom in the state of Florida. Now, it's ironic because he calls Florida the freest state in the nation. But, you know, we know the truth that free states don't ban books about people. Free states don't criminalize people's health care. Free states don't punish uh, corporations or businesses for saying they disagree with the people in power. That's not freedom. Um, But it is what the governor is selling is his blueprint for the country. So, what we've seen over the last few years that led us to make this really um, you know, bold decision around a travel advisory was a number of attacks on freedom in different areas. And I sort of categorize them like this. There are attacks on academic freedom. There are things like the Don't Say Gay law that has caused books to be banned about queer people across the state that has caused you know, rainbow stickers to be peeled from windows. Uh, it caused the Miami-Dade County School District to refuse to recognize LGBTQ History Month, for instance. Uh, those attacks on academic freedom also include attacks on pronoun usage in school. They revoked a parent's right to determine um, what pronouns the school will use to address their child. Um, and of course, on higher education too. There was a law that was passed that defunds diversity, equity, and inclusion programming that, you know, bans certain majors uh, in public universities and colleges. So those are really attacks on academic freedom. They're sweeping, and they are designed to censor entire communities out of the classroom. They're designed to whitewash history, to propagandize the truth about our country, um, and to, again, feed this sort of right-wing culture war to help boost DeSantis's presidential ambitions. Then there's the attack on medical freedom and bodily autonomy, and we've seen that in a number of ways. We saw it when he signed into law a six-week abortion ban, uh, banning abortion care before people largely know they're pregnant. Um, we saw it when you know he signed um, the, the bill that criminalizes gender-affirming care for young people. It threatens doctors with 15 to 20 years in prison Jeez. for providing health care that is... Um, you know, that's supported by every major medical organization uh, in the nation. That bill also, by the way, restricts health care for transgender adults. Um, it bans nurse practitioners from providing hormone uh, prescriptions. And it's estimated that 80 to 85 percent of trans adults in Florida get their prescriptions from a nurse practitioner. So essentially, two weeks ago, 80 to 85 percent of those trans adults got a phone call that said, I'm sorry, I can't renew your prescriptions anymore. The governor says I can't. Um, On top of that, we saw the bathroom law that I just talked about Mm -hmm. uh, signed. And then, you know, there's there's attacks on free speech as well. Uh, We've seen that certainly with the fight around Disney and being punished because they spoke out against the governor's anti-LGBTQ agenda. Um, We've seen it, you know, with local elected officials being removed 
by the governor. Um, you know, we've even seen it in terms of attacks on drag shows and pride festivals. So it's a lot. There's a whole lot going on on every level of government. But for me, it comes down to this fundamental assault on freedom, whether it's in the classroom, whether it's in a doctor's office, whether it's at a pride festival. Freedom is under assault by this governor and his allies in the legislature. And that's what led us to make this really bold statement and say, hey, you should know that there's a lot going on down here before you get here. Man, you guys have a you have your hands full. What the heck? Because then yeah, there's also it is a lot because the League of United Latin American Citizens issued its own warning saying the following traveling to Florida is dangerous. And it goes on to say Florida can be unsafe for people of color, individuals who speak with an accent and international travelers and people in those groups could face a heightened risk of harassment possible detainment and potentially potential family separation based on racial profiling. And then the NAACP was the latest one. I think it was May 22nd when they warned that uh, Governor Ron DeSantis's aggressive attempts to erase black history and to restrict diversity, equity, and inclusion programs in Florida schools have turned the state into this openly hostile place for people of color, members of the LGBTQ plus, LGBTQ plus community, and quote, before traveling to Florida, please understand that the state of Florida devalues and marginalizes the contributions of and challenges faced by African Americans and other communities of color. I mean, mm. whoa. Like all yeah. add all the things that you're talking about to this, uh, you know, this lens as well. And I just have to say, there's do you feel um, some strength in the power of these communities coming together and and all of you issuing a, a warning at the same time or an advisory, I want to say, at the same time? Like, is there a connection between all of you? Have you um, consulted with one another? Or, like, do you have a relationship? And how does that work? Yeah, um, I'll say that it, it makes me feel a couple of ways. First of all, yeah. these are great organizations that you're talking about, and we have great relationships with them. Um, we're really thankful that they also took the path of being honest. Um, it's worth noting that the Human Rights Campaign, which is the nation's largest LGBTQ civil rights organization, also issued um, what they're calling a, um, a state of emergency for the nation. Mm, and they yeah. really detail, you know, sort of where all the states are. They joined us in our updated advisory uh, last month. Um, and so, you know, for me, it, it leaves me feeling a couple of ways. The first is is I'm not just a gay man in America. I'm also black. And so I am experiencing the intersections of this governor's assaults on identity and freedom. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I'm feeling it acutely when he says things like AP African-American studies uh, does not provide any, quote, educational value to students. And then he clarifies by saying, I only mean that because you included queer black people. Um, mm -hmm. And so the the. The challenges we're facing, the assaults on freedom are real and they really are broad. And for me, the the collection of organizations that have come out and spoken out against it 
is an indication of just how much damage Ron DeSantis is doing. It's not just aimed at the LGBTQ community. It's aimed at anyone he sees as a political punching bag that might help him score points, might help him write a new fundraising email or you know, end up on Fox News for another segment with Laura Ingram. It's the reason you see him, you know, not only championing book bans in schools about queer people, but also trafficking migrants from the Texas border to Martha's Vineyard and California, um, because for him, it's all about scoring these points that he can use to build more wealth, power and fame. But I think it also leaves me feeling a renewed sense of solidarity Because the truth is no one community is going to win the battle for freedom in the state of Florida or even the nation. It's going to take all of us. And what I've seen from these communities is a willingness to view the intersections of our struggles as the places where we can form coalition. Um, We had an event in Orlando a couple of weeks ago. And it kind of confounded the local media because they would call me and ask me, you know, well, what is the group that's putting this on or what is the cause you're fighting for? And I would say freedom. And they said, yeah, yeah, yeah. But which community uh, is putting this together? And I would say, well, all of us, because all of our freedoms are linked. Uh, We anticipated we'd have, you know, maybe a few dozen people out. We'd have some tables from these different organizations. I got to the event that day. There were probably 1,100 people in downtown Orlando, and they were from every walk of life. They were people who care about abortion rights. They were people who care about gun violence prevention. They were people who care about queer people, about immigrants, about workers' rights. And they were all there because they believe freedom is a value worth defending, not just a campaign slogan. So it, it you know warms my heart a bit that in this moment, when things are really challenging, that there are communities coming together who understand that we're only going to get through this together, together, um, and that and that those communities are willing to step up and be honest with one another about where we're at. That gave me full body chills, like that. All these folks showed up, and you were thinking, you know, way fewer than that. I love that connection, and yeah, I mean, it seems like I don't know, maybe the folks who are calling you, the media, whatever. It's probably confounding because we've been so divided. We see things so narrowly. And what you're talking about is a huge, broad, amazing coalition of people who can come together on this issue. Mm -hmm. And that is really great. Where are some other places that you've seen that that you want to tell us about? Yeah. Well, first, I just want to say what I'm talking about and the vision that I'm painting is the future. Uh, And it's the future that terrifies the right wing so much, this future that has space for everyone, this future where everyone's voices heard, where everyone's faces are represented, this future where, you know, we understand as marginalized communities how linked our liberation really is. Um, That is what the future looks like. And it was it was really awe inspiring to see that uh, here in, in the city of Orlando. And and honestly, not surprising because I have often felt like Orlando in many ways bucks the trend in Florida and has discovered a bit of the blueprint on how we move beyond the the rancor of the current moment. But it's really showing up everywhere. I mean, you know, the other another example I would give you is our friends at at Planned Parenthood are working right now to put um, abortion on the ballot in 2024. Uh, and to protect bodily autonomy for people across the state. And when they started this coalition, you know, again, they put out an all call and said, hey, I, you know, I want to check in and, and see if anybody wants to be a part of this. And members of that coalition represent the entire breadth of the community. They're not just 
you know, people who have the capacity to get pregnant. They're not just people who are fans of Planned Parenthood. They're people in our network. They're people uh, who, you know, are fighting for immigrant rights, who are fighting for workers' rights. They're, again, that really broad um, representation of the coalition that's necessary. And they're they're kicking ass out there. I mean, they're collecting petitions like never before. They're doing really difficult work. And and it's because they're working in tandem with one another. And I'll just say that I I see that happening on every issue. I see it happening on gun violence prevention. I see it happening on LGBTQ issues, members of our community who are not transgender out in the streets demanding justice for the transgender community uh, and and their right to access health care. It's happening all over the state. And perhaps... This is the unexpected gift that Ron DeSantis has given us (laughs) when he decided to wage war on every community who dared to live outside his narrowly defined boxes. He gave us a reason to stand together, to lock arms with one another and reimagine the future. And I'm just watching that unfold across the state. I'm loving what you're describing. You know, the governor's press, I know you know this, the governor's press office calls these advisories stunts. And when mm-hmm. you're talking about they would this know off- political stunts well, <laughs> right? Yes, having done them all along. Um, but when you're talking about this awe-inspiring coalition and future-building and uh, exciting view of a state and a nation where all people actually are coming together and showing up and able to speak up and have rights and so on. It's so beautiful and it's so in contrast with the fear that I feel Mm. with the Ron DeSantis and friends as Mm. they continue to take power and want more power. And to see that future is a direct contrast to the one that you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're, listen, we're painting two different visions for America right now. And the question is being posed to the country, which vision really resonates with you? Ron DeSantis and his allies peddle fear and misinformation and mistrust of one another. They peddle division and hate and Mm -hmm. anger because they don't have anything else to offer. Because in a, in a country that is browner and gayer (laughs) than it ever has been, they don't have any forward looking vision to offer other than one that says, you know, resources are scarce and the only way to secure yours is to pit neighbor against neighbor. And so we, you know, we're out there offering a different kind of vision for, Florida and certainly for the country that, you know, we can do better than that, that yes, the country is browner and queerer than it's ever been before. And maybe that's okay. Maybe the fact that there are new people with new lived experiences in new positions of leadership gives us an opportunity to do something different, to reimagine the future for the next generation. And that's not a bad thing. Um, that's what they're so afraid of. That's yeah. the the future that they're trying to suppress. But I think ultimately that's the vision for the future that's going to win out. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think there's any way to really stop it. But it does mean that you have quite a big fight ahead. And not just you, but me and all of us who care about freedom and about empowerment and about speaking out and ending the cycle of violence and harm that we have lived in for so long and to be seen as who we are. So 
I don't know where to go from here, Brandon. I kind of want to learn a little bit about you and your past. Uh, just, just like what brought you to this organization and how did you become the press secretary? And I'd love to know a little bit about that if you, if you would feel comfortable telling us and only whatever you'd feel like you want to tell us. Um, and then I also, yeah. Okay, cool. Let's do that. And then, then we'll go on. Yeah. I, um, thank you for asking the question because I am, I'm in this work for really personal reasons and, you know, I should tell people, it's not like I came out of the womb as an advocate for the community. And I really, for most of my life, have have not considered myself an advocate or an activist. I wasn't fighting for our rights. I was just existing. And that's because from a really early age, I wanted somewhere to belong. I grew up in a really small rural town in Oregon outside of Portland. And when, pe- when I tell people I'm from Portland, they have this image in their head of what that must have looked like. It's like pink hair and lots of tattoos and craft beer. Everybody smokes weed. And it's like, some woke-topia where you can be wherever you, whatever you want. Um, and that might be true for some people that live in Portland. But like a lot of people, I didn't grow up in an urban setting. I grew up in a little cow town with, you know, a handful of stoplights where you know the same people from the time you're in kindergarten until you graduate high school. And for someone who looks different from everyone else and loves differently than everyone else, that is really isolating. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember as a kid being told time and again, that the world was never going to be ready for someone like me, that I was always going to have to mute the parts of myself that, you know, parts of myself that makes people uncomfortable or shave off the edges of my identity um, to assimilate. And so, you know, to be honest, I, I finished high school, I graduated or I went to college and I just wasn't finding it. And so I packed two suitcases and I ran away. I moved 3,500 miles away to Orlando. I'd never been here before. But I thought if there was anywhere I could be very brown and gay, it's probably Walt Disney World. So I was going to go do that for a while. <laughs> and I got here. And and while the climate, actual like weather climate was oppressive, uh, everything else felt like home for the first time. Mm. I discovered people that looked like me, people that lived like me. I discovered chosen family for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, until, you know, 2016, I was really just comfortable to to live that way, to belong that way, because I sort of felt like I'd stolen it from someone. Like I wasn't supposed to enjoy belonging or normalcy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the summer of 2016, that normalcy was shredded when I, like I normally did on, on any given Saturday night, went to Pulse nightclub with my best mm-hmm. friends. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd been there obviously hundreds of times before. It was our safe space. It's actually one of the first places I ever held hands with someone I had a crush on without looking mm-hmm. over my shoulder first. Yeah. And the most normal night of our night uh, of our lives became the extraordinary tragedy that people know it to be. Uh, mm-hmm. I went in with my best friends, Drew and Juan, and came out alone. Um, that night, a, a man filled with hate and armed with a Sig Sauer MCX assault rifle fired over 110 rounds into the safest space perhaps I've ever known, killing 49 mostly LGBTQ people of color. Uh, They were my friends. They were my community members. They were my neighbors. And my best friends, Drew and Juan, took 19 of those rounds. Uh, Neither one of them ever made it home to say goodbye to me or their parents. And that really changed everything for me. That helped me to find a new sense of purpose and obligation. I wanted my best friends to matter, not just because of how they died, but because of how beautifully they lived. And I wanted to make them proud. I, I 
you know, six days after the shooting, we had a funeral service for Drew. And I made a promise to him that day to his casket that that I would never stop fighting for a world that he would be proud of. And so I started volunteering with Equality Florida in 2019. I left my career at Starbucks. I was in leadership at Starbucks. I left, moved back to Orlando, uh, started on staff at Equality Florida. And actually, we'd never had a press secretary or someone in an earned media role before. And I said, I think we need that. And I actually think I'd be great at it. Uh, so I am the organization's inaugural press secretary. And I'm really honored that for the last four and a half years, I've gotten to help queer people in Florida share their stories and make sure that anytime we're in the conversation, our lived experiences are at the table. Okay. That's, I didn't expect that story. Brandon, that is <laughs> intense story. By the way, I'm talking from Portland, Oregon, so I know exactly what you mean. Oh, okay. So you about... know. I grew up in Canby, if that's okay, any help. Yes. Yes. That makes total sense to me about your experience there. And, um, you know, I think that, um, oh, thank you so much for sharing that story. I mean, I can hardly keep from crying. What the heck? Like, um, I teach active shooter survival in a way that's empowering and not fearful. And just like, these are the things you do. And I learned how to do it from folks over at the FBI and other organizations. And, and Pulse nightclub is one of the reasons why I do that because there's, there's too much hate going on. We talk in my classes about prevention. We talk about um, the signs to look for, in, in, in folks who may have access to guns and who may be hateful. Like, what do we look for? How do we prevent this? Mm. Um, I just want to say, I'm so sorry for your, for your loss and that trauma that you experienced you. that night and how beautiful it is that you were able to take such a tragic personal moment of like disempowerment and turn it into a life where you are making changes for other people and helping create a safer space for other people and empowering other people and giving other people information and turning into this press secretary and like just <laughs> grabbing it all and going with it. Like that is a beautiful personal journey that you just shared. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, you know, one of the things that um, that has touched me over the years is reflecting on the way my best friend Drew created safety for me. Uh, he's one of the first people I ever met that I experienced unconditional love from. Uh, I had that mm. from my mom, although she passed away when I was young, so I didn't get that during my perhaps most formative years. But um, I, I didn't really know unconditional love, even from other family members until I met Drew. And he fundamentally altered for me the way I viewed myself, the way I viewed my place in the world, what I deserve, uh, the kind of dignity and respect I can command. And when I think about the the profound way he allowed me to fall in love with myself um, and my place in the world, it was a no-brainer for me that my job in his absence was to do the same for other people, that it wasn't enough anymore to just you know, enjoy the normalcy and belonging that I'd stumbled upon, I had to go out and fight for other people to have an opportunity to see it. And especially young people 
who are growing up in a world that's supposed to be better than the one I grew up in that, you know, has made a ton of progress. But unfortunately, in 2023, they're hearing a lot of the same things I heard when I was in middle and high school. And so, you know, I just I see it as a profound obligation uh, to honor my best friend, not just with words or flowers or pictures, but with real action to make the world better and safer for the next generation. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Yes. I I didn't realize we were going to have like this total example on here of you as an empowerment journey, but exactly like, hooray, this is just an amazing an amazing, beautiful journey that you shared with us, along with all the details and along with the information, the communication, the telling about the advisory, about what's going on, boots on the ground, what's happening. So unexpected for me and just like full of joy. Thank <laughs> you so much. And I I wonder if, um, you know, we've covered a lot of different things. Is there anything else that we haven't talked about yet that you want to make sure that my listeners know about? Well, I know you're going to link to things uh, when the episode comes out. And so I would just encourage people to get in touch with us. Uh, we're, you know, eqfl.org. We're everywhere on social media, equalityfl. Um, get in touch with us. If you need more information, if you want to learn more about what's happening on the ground, if you want to get plugged into the fight, um, my boss always says, you know, we didn't choose for the front line to be here in Florida, but it is. And so we have an obligation to fight. And we're inducting everyone into that fight. We need <laughs> everyone awesome. uh, yeah. to be a part of that frontline fight yeah. uh, for LGBTQ people, for freedom. And the last little plug I'll give you is um, I, I just wrote a book and it actually comes out in three weeks. Um, it's been a, a labor of love over the last couple of years. It's called A Place for Us. And so if you want to hear more about my personal journey, there's actually a, a chapter titled Power in Purpose, and it talks a lot about empowerment. So uh, if you're interested, I would say give it a read. Uh, I'm pretty proud of it. Uh, and yeah, just just stay in touch. Keep plugged in and, and we'd love to give you any information you need. Is there a way that in the episode, so listeners, in the episode description, this particular episode, I will have links. I will have um, like how to get in touch on social media, all the things, where to donate. Is there a way to link to that book that's not published yet that you've written? Yeah, absolutely. It's available for pre-order now. Um, the publisher is Amazon, so obviously it's very easy to okay. get it on Amazon. It's also available at you know Barnes & Noble, bookshop.org, anywhere you buy your books, you can get it. I'll send you a link and, and folks can navigate there if they want to pre-order a copy. Great. Yes. So when you send that link, it's going to go right there, boom, in the episode description. And listeners, I would also encourage you to talk about what's happening To t- now that you know. Uh, talk about what you've learned with your friends, with your coworkers, on your social media platforms. Share this information. Share the links. Share this podcast episode. Share it like far and wide and get involved and uh, let's support Brandon and Equality Florida and all of the organizations in Florida that are on the front lines because the work you're doing is very important, very important right now. So I really appreciate your time. I know how busy you are. You've got a lot on your plate. And thank you so much for just for coming on and, and chatting with me and my listeners. And gosh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. It's It's been an honor to be here. And uh, anytime. We'll come back and chat with you anytime you need. 
Excellent. Wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it and um, support you in the work that you're doing. It's affirmation time. This is how I end every self-defense class. It's kind of cheesy, but it's very cool, and this is how it works. We're going to do like a little call and response. If you can say this out loud, if you can repeat after me, do it, because it's important, I think, for you to hear your own voice. But if you can't, like if you're on a crowded subway or someplace where it's embarrassing, don't worry. You can also just say it inside your head. Okay, so I'm going to say something and you're going to repeat it after me. I'm going to give you space to do that. And at the end, we're going to say yes. Here we go. Repeat after me. I am worth protecting. I love myself. I belong. I deserve to take up space on planet Earth. I am a strong and powerful person. Yes! Woohoo! And hey, as a wrap up, will you do me a favor? Will you do all the things that you do when there's a podcast? Like, will you tell your friends? Will you subscribe? Will you come back each week? communicate with me, review this podcast, like all those things to help get more bandwidth, help more people find out about it. That would be super awesome. Take a deep breath. You are amazing. Thank you for being with me. See you next time.